Hello all, and welcome to this episode of No Home for Heroes. No Home for Heroes explores history's military mysteries regarding Americans who are missing in action from our past wars. These long-forgotten MIAs are remembered here. Today's episode is titled, All Things Come to Those Who Wait. Today's episode is number 272 in the case files of the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. I'm your host, Rick Stone, and this is another great true story from our vault of history's military mysteries. No Home for Heroes is a trademark production sponsored by the Chief Rick Stone and Family Charitable Foundation. For more information on the Foundation, visit our website at www.chiefrickstone.com. If you're hearing this as a preview of No Home for Heroes, we invite you to listen to the complete podcast on Apple Podcasts or whichever podcast or streaming platform you prefer. We dedicate our 50th episode today to the family of Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson of the USS West Virginia. Thanks for never giving up. The proverb of all things come to those who wait means if people are persistent and patient, they will finally achieve their goal. In other words, it means a person must exercise patience and exercise other aspects of their character when working on something that is close to their heart, even to reach a goal that may seem out of reach. When I worked for the Department of Defense, there was nothing closer to my heart than finding a way to give their names back to the Pearl Harbor heroes who were buried as simply unknown and getting them home to their families. Today's case is a success story. It's a success story for that mission, and we are pleased to share the proof of the proverb with you today on No Home for Heroes. On that infamous morning of December 7, 1941, the battleship USS West Virginia was moored outside the USS Tennessee in berth number F6 of what was known as Battleship Row along Ford Island at Pearl Harbor, Hawaii. There was about 40 feet of water beneath the keel of the USS West Virginia as she lay peacefully at her berth. Shortly before 8 o'clock in the morning, air and naval forces of the Japanese launched a surprise attack, which concentrated on warships of the Pacific Fleet anchored at Pearl Harbor. The USS West Virginia, affectionately known as the Wee V by her crew, was struck on the port side by at least three torpedoes below the ship's armor belt. One or more torpedoes struck the ship's armor belt, and another torpedo struck the ship's steering gear and rudder. Additional torpedoes may have entered through holes blown below the water level by previous torpedo hits and detonated on the ship's armored second deck as she began listing. The ship put up significant defensive fire during the attack. Captain Mervyn Binion was later awarded a posthumous Medal of Honor for his command actions, and Mess Attendant 3rd Class Doris Miller of Waco, Texas, was the first African American to receive the Navy Cross for using a machine gun to down enemy planes. Two aerial bombs made from armor-piercing shells also struck the USS West Virginia and caused damage even though both failed to explode. Leaking fuel from the West Virginia and the USS Arizona 
led to massive fires that caused serious damage to the Weavey, and her crew was ordered to abandon ship. Due to aggressive efforts by one of her junior officers who ordered damage control counter-flooding to prevent the ship from capsizing, the USS West Virginia settled upright under the bottom of Pearl Harbor. On January 5, 2012, while a member of the <laughs> described acutely dysfunctional Joint POW-MIA Accounting Command, or JPAC, I wrote in an official investigative report about a specific USS West Virginia unknown buried in the Punchbowl Cemetery in Honolulu, Hawaii. In the report was the statement, quote, Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson appears to be by far the most consistent of all the most likely matches, end quote. And nothing happened. Three years later, on January 30th, 2015, after multiple joint POW-MIA accounting command scandals were exposed by NBC, CBS, Fox News, NPR, AP, Stars and Tribe, you got it, you guessed it, and even the Congress of the United States, the Department of Defense finally announced that JPAC was being dissolved and replaced by a new agency known as the Defense POW-MIA Accounting Agency, or as sometimes referred to, DPAW. And nothing happened. On December 16, 2016, the family of Seaman First Class Johnson contacted the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation and requested a comprehensive report on his case. The investigators and researchers who compiled the report wrote, in part, quote, the specific circumstances of Seaman First Class Johnson's death are unknown. There is information to indicate that he was below decks in the munition storage area of the USS West Virginia when the Japanese attack began. If this was the case, his remains should have been recovered during salvage operations between 16 March 1942 to 15 June 1942 when the ship was in dry dock. Of the three unknowns for which Seaman First Class Johnson is a most likely match, it is known that all three bodies were recovered during these salvage operations of the USS West Virginia during the period 14 May through 17 May 1942. The report further noticed that of particular note is the fact that one unknown for which Seaman First Class Johnson is a most likely match was described by the anthropologist as a, quote, boy, 17 to 19 years of age, end quote. Only three of the unresolved casualties from the USS West Virginia were teenagers, including Seaman First Class Johnson. As a side note here, the Department of Defense officially listed Seaman First Class Johnson as being 20 years of age when he went missing from the WeV. But our Foundation researchers discovered that Seaman First Class Johnson was really only 18 years of age. The 16-year-old boy born in Columbus, New Mexico and raised in Phoenix, Arizona, traveled to San Diego, California in 1939, lied about his age, and enlisted in the United States Navy at age 16. 
two years later, he would lose his life at Pearl Harbor. The family report went on to state that, quote, the preponderance of the evidence, including biometric profiling, as described in the official reports filed with JPAC in January 2012, indicates that Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson is a most likely match to only three unknowns. With the name carved on the marker in his Punchbowl Cemetery plot, Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson currently awaits disinterment, identification, and return home to his family. End quote. That was in 2016, and nothing happened. Spurred on by the family's interest and their persistence, Foundation researchers, using advanced law enforcement investigative techniques and some sophisticated technologies not available at the Department of Defense, continued to research Seaman First Class Johnson's case, and we narrowed the list of most likely matches to just one best match. This new information was offered to the Department of Defense, and, <laughs> you guessed it, nothing happened. On 13 June 2017, after over five years, the Department of Defense finally decided to act on my original recommendations in my 2012 reports, and they finally began disinterring all of the USS West Virginia unknowns buried in the Punchbowl Cemetery. And nothing happened. After two more years, the DePaul Laboratory apparently finally admitted that they couldn't identify a ham sandwich in less than a decade. Well, 11 years is actually their average. And they turned the case over to the Armed Forces DNA Identification Laboratory for modern forensic analysis. On August 19, 2019, Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson was identified by DNA analysis as the unknown cited in my research in 2012, and he was finally given his name and his identity back. As this episode is being taped, yesterday, only yesterday, Seaman First Class Carl Spencer Johnson finally returned home and was laid to rest beside his mother and father in Phoenix, Arizona. Welcome home, Carl. All things come to those who wait and wait and wait. Thank you for listening to this incredible but true episode of No Home for Heroes. Today's episode was inspired from the investigative case files of the Chief Rickstone and Family Charitable Foundation. We hope you've enjoyed today's production, and we invite you to check out our other episodes on Apple Podcasts, Tune in radio podcast, Blueberry, or whichever platform you like to listen to podcasts. We greatly appreciate your comments, and a special link is available for you to contact us on the website at www.chiefrickstone.com. We again thank you for your support of our mission to provide information to the families of missing American servicemen and missing American servicewomen. Every assistance counts. And you do make a difference. Until next time, be careful, be safe, and wishing you fair winds and following seas. I'm your host, Rick Stone, reminding you that poor is the nation that has no heroes. 
but shameful is the nation that, having heroes, forgets them. <laughs>